Welcome to Sparrow Pictures Podcast, where we focus on the stories and not the headlines. Because we believe that stories can change the world. Get Get ready, ready, because because the the show show starts starts now. Spreadonomics for Kids. I am Abigail Thayer, and today we are going to talk about Dr. Kirk about gold and silver and stock bonds. So how about we bring him on now? Hi, Dr. Kirk. Hey, how's it going, Abigail? It's good. We're still waiting on that loft bed. It might take another oh. week. Seems yeah. like it's taking forever, but it'll come in soon. I know. Um, so, how about to get started, we start asking some questions. So, sure. um, when did the U.S. first get... When did the U.S. get its first currency? Oh, boy. Well, probably when... Even before Columbus, right? Because there were people that lived here before Columbus, the Native Americans. And so... They would trade in beads and anything else that they, they wanted, right? Because before there was actually currency, anything that can be exchanged that, that, you know, back and forth for goods and services can be considered a currency. So what makes something a currency is that it's rare, it has some valuable, it's valuable, and it actually is compact and portable, right? Or else it wouldn't make a good currency. So, you know, we had things like, beads or sugar rocks or whatever people would want to use they could use this currency but that's inconvenient right because nothing is actually the same that's more of a barter or just trading something back and forth for something else so you know when you started to actually get legitimate currency is when the country became a nation right Mm -hmm. so so you had your first like dimes quarters things of that nature right it's just little metallic pieces of of metal that had a stamp on them that it made it an official government currency that was you know way back you know probably before we became a country because we had the pilgrims that came in everything right they had currency in europe and so it's probably what they were trading in but it's been around for a long time um a really long time yeah so what's the difference between a community bank and a um, a national bank? Pretty much just the size. You know, they can all be insured by the federal government, um, but a community bank is just generally something that might have a few branches um, that, that just, you know, basically support a community or a group of communities, where a national bank would be like J.P. Morgan Chase or Bank of America or City, you know, national in exposure, sometimes international. And they have bank branches all over the globe, so it's just a function of the size. Mm-hmm. So, um, is it better to have a saving accounts in the bank since we're talking about them, or is it better to have um, silver and gold in a safe spot in your home? Definitely silver and gold. I mean. Banks don't have the money that you think that they do, which is sad because most people say, oh, my my checking savings account's the safest thing in the world. Well, not really, because banks take your deposits that you would put into your checking or savings account and they invest it. That's how banks make money. Well, their investments are going down just like ours are because they invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. So having something that you can take that's real, 
that's yours that you take delivery of at home is always going to be much safer than somebody that somebody else is using for their own purposes and because it might not be there when the when you want it to be there. Mm-hmm. So our community banks um, better for your local our community banks um, better for your local area. Well, generally, because a lot of times they keep the money in the community, right? They're lending out to people to, to purchase their homes. They're lending it out to local business owners. And all of that money is going to stay within the area because the bank is more localized. Where you could do the same thing through a big national bank, like get a loan, get a car loan, get a home equity loan or whatever. But if it's a big national or international bank, they're going to spread that out to everybody else other than your local community. So... It's kind of like the same version, you know, saying of buy local, right? It's it's very similar to a community bank in style. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking about savings account, what's the difference between a savings account, a stock, and a bond? Well, savings account is just money that you have in the bank that you could actually move to your checking account and use, right? A stock is equity, meaning that you own a portion of that company. That's what it, that's what a stock is. And, you know, as the company grows in value, the, the value of your share of that company, so your stock share, goes up. Now, a bond is not equity. You don't own the company. You've lent the company money to use, and then they just pay you an interest rate. So a bond has no ownership in a company. A stock does have ownership in a company. So a stock doesn't pay interest. A bond does, right? So, so they're just different. One is ownership. One is just debt. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, thank you for teaching us all this. Of course. And, it's my pleasure. And taking the time to teach us. Um, so... If um, if you want to talk to Dr. Kirk's team to buy this gold and silver, then you then you can call seven two zero six zero five three nine zero zero. That's seven two zero six zero five three nine zero zero to talk to Dr. Kirk's team. Well, it's been a good time talking to you. See you later, Dr. Kirk. Have a good Bye, day. Abigail. Essentially, you know, if, if, if um, we want to produce something, we need funding. So there's a role for banks in almost everything that's happening in the economy. But what exactly is that role? I just quickly, I'd like to reflect on that. Banks are being thought of as intermediaries, but this are is they? not really what's happening. Banks, what, what are they then? They're creators of the money supply. So you're firmly of the view that banks create money out of thin air. Yes, well, I, I produced the first empirical studies to prove that um, in the 5,000-year history of banking. Banks are thought of as uh, deposit-taking institutions that lend money. The legal reality is banks don't take deposits and banks don't lend money. So what is a deposit? A deposit is not actually a deposit. It's not a bailment. It's not held in custody. Uh, at law, the word deposit is meaningless. The law courts and various judgments have made it very clear if you give your money to a bank, even though it's called a deposit, this money is simply a loan to the bank. That's true. Yeah. So there is no such thing as a deposit. So There's you think it's loans in, it's adequately named then? So mm. banks borrow from the public. Okay, so that much we've established. What about lending? Surely they're lending money. Um, no, they don't. Banks don't lend money. Banks, again, at law, it's very clear, they're in the business of purchasing securities. That's it. 
So you say, okay, don't you know, confuse me with all that legalese. No. I want a loan. I want a loan. Yeah. Fine. Here's the loan contract. Here's the offer letter. And you sign. At law, it's very clear, you have issued a security, namely a promissory note. And the bank is going to purchase that. That's what's happening at Put law. it in layman's terms. What does that mean? It means that um, what the bank is doing is very different from what it presents to the public that it's doing. How does this fit together? So you say, fine, the bank purchases my promissory note, but how do I get my money? I want, you know, it's a I loan. Want I want my 200 grand, right? And I don't care about the details. I want the money. The bank will say, well, you'll find it in your account with us. That would be technically correct. If they say, we'll transfer it to your account, that's wrong because no money is transferred at all. It's already in From the bank. anywhere inside the bank or outside the bank. Why? Because what we call a deposit is simply the bank's record of its debt to the public. Now, it also owes you money, and its record of the money it owes you is what you think you're getting as money. And that's all it is. And that is how the banks create the money supply. The money supply consists to 97% of bank deposits. And these are created out of nothing by banks when they lend because they invent fictitious customer deposits. Why? They simply restate, slightly incorrectly in accounting terms, what is an accounts payable liability arising from the loan contract having purchased your promissory note as a customer deposit, but nobody has deposited any money. I wonder how the FCA deals with this because in the financial sector, you're supposed to not mislead your customers.